hoki mai ki ngā whenua tapu o te ngāhere tawhito ki reira e o hākina te huia mo te āke āke āmine Kia ora koutou, no my hooky my kita huya come home podcast. It's nice to have you back with us. Welcome to this uh, series of podcasts we've got coming to you over your summer break. Uh, this week and next week, we've just got standalone podcasts coming to you. And then coming up after that in three weeks' time, we're going to be running a month long series. So, uh, um, a series of podcasts to do with the topic of Atuatanga, looking at. Uh, uh, atua Māori and a Māori spiritual worldview. So that's going to be coming up in a few weeks. And we're going to keep them rolling over your Christmas and over your New Year's break. So you can just tune in, subscribe on your platform to Huya Come Home. And uh, they'll be fed into your feed while you are hanging at the beach and having some good times with your family. Uh, but as many of you know, uh, I have done a thing Yep, uh, called Jay Aruka. Uh, I have written a book, uh, which I know many of you have already got, uh, but uh, this week's podcast is an interview that I've just done on Raglan FM, on the local Raglan community radio station here where I live. Uh, the local DJ is just into interviewing me on, on, on the book, so I have got permission from Aaron from Raglan FM and I've just pinched it and have it included it here on uh, this podcast feed. So it's only a real short one, only goes for about 18 minutes, so I just wanted to get the ball rolling with a nice simple talk, a chat on the book. Um, so you can tune in, have a listen to this, and I'll tell you a bit of info at the end on where you can get the book if you don't have it already. So here is yours truly. Um, uh, like I said, Jay Ruka, yep, I've changed my la- name, dropped the Lucas, and picked up my Tupuna name of Ruka. Uh, so tune in and have a listen. In the studio, I've got author Jay Ruka. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Aaron. Kia ora. How are you doing this morning? Not too bad, thank you. Doing pretty good. All right. So uh, you guys might have seen in the Rack and Chronicle uh, picture of Jay and talking about his book, Who We Are Come Home. And, um, you know, when I just read the I'm headline... shot. Yeah. <laughs> Are you not comfortable with having your picture in the paper? Oh, hey, you know. It's, it's part of the it deal, is isn't it? It is yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So uh, when I just read the headline, I thought, oh, someone's written another kid's book. <laughs> which is actually is terribly insulting when I... What, <laughs> When I see what you've actually done, so... Well, the bizarre thing was, is, I mean, I don't know if Janine, who wrote that article, had seen it, but the, the NZGO had just come out with an article on, um, like, uh, genetically modifying, uh, like, bringing back from, from the grave, in a sense, species. And one of the species was the huia, but the, what they talked about in the article was creating a, a huia out of a chicken egg out of chickens it was like it was just weird oh like was, out, so out of, what her headline was was actually what the was in the current NZ uh, Geo magazine I was like well that's bizarre so they used the DNA and then yeah and they, they, they the inject the strands gestate it in the chicken they, yeah yeah they inject the strands into a chicken hatches and then they ext- extract them and then oh it's just bizarre that's weird <laughs> not sure what I think about that to be honest yeah yeah I was going to say that could <laughs> yeah, get you yeah. thinking so that I mean 
people, anyone who watched um, Hunt for the Wilder People, and that's pretty much everyone, will, will now know what the huia is and and how True. special uh, the bird is. But yeah. but for you, what what's the significance? Well, the significance for me uh, really came out of a dream my wife had actually. You know, back in two thousand and eight, when we were learning some of the history of Aotearoa. Um, and learning some of the stories about the, the history of the treaty, learning about prophets like Tohu and Tefiti down in Bariaka mm. uh, or uh, Ratana, and we were learning some of the story of our land. And my wife had a dream of uh, and a really quick one. It was a dream of a giant chicken, three mm. stories tall, so big she <laughs> laughed, and I laughed, and everyone laughs when they hear about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, but she heard the word huia and woke up, and so. It's one of those dreams that stick and, and it really stuck in her thinking and then the imagery stuck in my thinking and when we shared it to people it stuck in their their thinking a lot, like, wow, what's this dream about? And it's really a dream of two two birds and very basically I don't know if you know this, but a chicken's not from Aotearoa. <laughs> it's a bird that <laughs> I think we're vaguely aware. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a bird that's been imported into this land. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the huia is a uh, and a bird that's indigenous to this whenua, mm. but it's mm. become extinct. You know, yet it was a bird that was sacred in Tel Maori. You know, uh, the feathers were given to leaders of and chiefs of distinction. You know, uh, it was one of the most sacred tohu you could give someone. The bird was sacred in our mythology and stuff like this. So, it, 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 the dream is about the representation of that which is imported and that which is indigenous, and that which is important is oversized and shouldn't be. Yeah, that, a chicken yeah. shouldn't be that big. Yeah. yeah, that which is unique to this landscape needs to come back into the mainstream, back to life, so to speak, mm. back to foray. Mm. Okay, so and you're using that that's kind of a metaphor to, to get that's the, the, get the metaphor book going. Yeah, that's yeah. the metaphor. Yeah. yeah. So where you know, I I was raised uh, in the church. Um, I'm a son of a Christian minister, so all of my mahi, my adult life, has been working in and outside of Christian and church circles. So what I'm doing in the book is sort of telling the story of our land and the huia through that lens and sort of critiquing that which I think is in Christianity is just Western philosophy mm. okay, uh, so to speak and not necessarily what a Middle Eastern indigenous people were talking about yes. through their categories of thought um, and uh, looking at basically then it, it, so I tell some of the history of Christianity and then I lean into what why we need to learn from a Maori worldview yeah, so, that's what so a, a lot of a lot of the kind of the western worldview and assumptions are, are so well, they're, they're unconscious so well that's what so a, like a worldview is your basic assumption you know you don't even, you don't have to think about it like whatever you describe something is to you that's your yeah. worldview right so how so, do, so how do you get into that with the with the church communities who a lot of us from outside that community are familiar with being quite conservative right i know not all are but right. but how do you, how do you get into that well uh, you know how i mean how i do it is i just try and show some things you know the way we might modernly interpret some things from the Piper Tapu, you know, from the scriptures, uh, and I just sort of show the history of thought that leads. Well, that actually, this idea comes from Greek philosophy, mm. which is an interpretation outside of the culture to which it was written into and written from. If that makes if that makes sense, it's just show how 
you know, it's the whakapapa of thought, really. It's the where the ideas it's came the from. the of philosophy, you know, mm, yeah. Mm. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, yeah, I mean, I do a little bit of speaking on that and, yeah. Okay. So you also, in the book, goes quite a bit into um, the difference between the early missionaries and, and the second wave of missionaries that came to New Zealand. Right. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, I think the first... You know, when you look at the lives of some of the first ministries, uh, missionaries like Henry and Mary and Williams, or even if you know the little story I know of James and Mary Wallace from who came to Whangaroa, you know, um, you know, incredible men and women who essentially, you know, gave up everything of their life, their circumstances, mm. um, to live and to learn from and to serve to the best of their ability and knowledge, you know, the, the Māori community at the time. Um, if you, you think know, about it, actually, like they've come from somewhere in Europe, come to live in a country that's only, that's only got st- Stone Age technology. Yeah. So that's, that's like a, that well, it's a, a, culture, a, a level know, of culture it's a big, shock. A massive culture shock for them, mm. you know. So you've got, you know, the first, the very, when the missions started here in 1814, the belief at the time was... In, in, uh, in some of the missionaries thinking was that Māori had to be civilised first, in other words they had to become British Yeah, had to become had to eat, you know, drink whatever, you know, live, dress you know, and, he, and, and once the behaviour was able to match into a, a civilised nation then maybe the messages of the gospel and ihu karaiti or whatever could be shared with the people however <clears throat> That was pretty much rubbish, <laughs> and people like Henry and Mary Ann Williams actually changed that up and up in the pie here, up in the Bay of Islands. Okay, right. So they were like, "Hang on, we we live in the Māori world. We need to we need to learn from Māori." <laughs> you yeah, know? you know. So they they were the guys that sacrificed their lives. You know, you know, along with you know chiefs like Hongi Hika, Hika and Tapahi before him even. Starting to put the language down, and the missionaries worked on, you know, put, putting the, the the Maori language into a written form and all this sort of stuff. But those first missionaries were actually quite amazing, and our, like our, when I say our, as far as our Maori history goes, you know, we have nice recollections of what some of those guys were doing. It wasn't till the second wave came in with the wave of settlers mm. that didn't have the 40-year story like um, that those first guys had had. They they just came in with their own kind, so to speak, yeah. and therefore preferred their own kind, you know. So, well, that sounds a bit strange. They, you know, preferred their culture. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, like, I don't know if I've read a long time ago reading books or, or, or seen TV dramas or something, but there's... The, the Europeans in these dramas would talk about how the missionaries came in to like civilize and and stop stop the local people being warlike, which made it safe for them to come in and oh, take yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, you know, I, I mean, history is a funny thing. You know, you can you, you can pull an aspect from it, interpret it any way you like. Really, <laughs> you, I know. You know. Well, this is but from I, a TV drama. Yeah, I think yeah, I saw yeah. as a kid. And, so you know, I. I well, I mean, one of the arguments I say in my book is that the role of the missionary in New Zealand for the last 45 years has been vilified. Like, it's been made out to be 
the you know the the whitewashing colonial vehicle that came in to soften the blow. Yeah. Um, now I know there's truth in that, but that when you go back to that first generation of missionaries, that's ex- that's absolutely not the case. Right. Um, uh, doesn't make everything that it doesn't make ev- everything right, of course. Um, but I think that the role which the uh, those first wave of missionaries played in this land, it's pretty profound, actually. It's amazing, you know. Yeah, I, I'm just. I mean, you've got me thinking about you know coming to a completely foreign environment with no support, no one speaks their language, having to learn the language, and they learned it to the extent that they were they the ones that first translated the Bible. Ah, uh, yep, 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 they were, yep. So that's so that actually requires an expertise in linguistics as well. That it, it does, must, yeah, 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 I presume. Yeah, it does, yeah, it does. Like William Williams, who was the chief translator in the early eighteen thirties, he he was a he was a linguist, and he worked with a, a guy called William Colenso as a printer, and they worked on the back of the work of a guy called Thomas Kendall um, to set the to, to get the Bible into print, you know, and that was. It was the when it came for Māori to learn the art and the technology of reading and writing, what Māori were learning to read were the stories of Jesus, essentially. Yeah. You know, the stories of this person who um, talked a message of, you know, you've you've heard it say, you know, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, but I say turn the other cheek, you know. Mm. Love your enemies, you know. Bless those who persecute you. Now, when Māori, when the, when the art of literacy came in and that type of thinking was coming into place in the 1830s, there had just been, uh, you know, 12 to 15 years of Ngāpui um, going around the North Island way <laughs> Basically, wasting tribes mm. with the, with the technology of the musket. So there had been like our people had had experienced a layer of of death that we actually never had we hadn't known that level before. Mm. And then these messages of love your enemy, it just uh, like it, it was a, 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 a couple of things. It, it for our people, it was a message we needed to hear. And then at the same time, because the Paipera Tapu actually is an indigenous book with indigenous categories of thought. That level of thinking made sense to our indigenous mindset. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. So, the, so the Bible is written from a different a different culture, yeah, but, but, yeah. but an indigenous. So, what do you, how are you using the term indigenous? So, we have seventeen hundred years of let's just say global Christian history that says that Christianity is a Western religion. Mm. It's not. It's Eastern. It's actually with uh, like none of the characters in the scripture, maybe except a Roman centurion, yes. right, uh, are Western. You know, the, the whole thing is filtered through a, a, um, an Eastern, uh, in a way, in a way, philosophical outlook. But all the world knows it to be a Western book. If that makes sense, but so so for for Maori back then, they actually could latch into it quite easily. Latch into it, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the the, the, the categories of thought that just sort of were like, oh, that makes sense. So yeah, so how much of the actual, how much of it are Westerners missing because of that? Then, do you think? Oh, to be honest, I, I think a lot. Right. Yeah. 
to be honest. <laughs> you know, I mean, for I mean, for example, you've got to go to the even you turn to the table of contents in the Bible, mm. and the the the. the the categories of scripture have been arranged until stories that line up to be the same. You know, you've got bigger books all together, then you go down to the smaller books. But that's because a, a Westerner is looking at, well, what topic lines up and puts it into a category, whereas you go back to the Hebrew scriptures and they've got a completely different order yeah. of how the scriptures are lined up because they wrote them for different purposes to which we've ordered them in. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, you I, under- I understand the categorization takes over our mindset, yeah. and, and again, it's yeah. another thing we don't really know that we do. We don't know that we're doing it. That's our assumptions, you know. Yeah. So, what this book is about is really for us, and this is where I think the message can help those who aren't even interested in the Christian story. Um, it, it, it's a book that uh, uh, why I wrote it is try to help us see that we actually, all of us carry cultural worldviews, which are cultural assumptions to how we interpret what anything is, you know. Mm. So we interpret, you know, uh, you know, predominantly in the West, we interpret land to be an economic, you know, uh, benefit, you know. Mm. To an indigenous person, the land is their mother, <laughs> you, you know. So they're your primary assumptions. They're your founding assumptions of what... A land is, you know, to a Western person, a, a musical instrument is for entertainment. To an intra, uh, to an Indigenous uh, Maori person, an instrument primarily is for karakia, you know, for mm. entering into spiritual realms. Mm, mm. You know, so they're, they're your they're, they're your founding base lines of what you'd see something. So it's not a it's not a matter of wrong or right. Yeah, it's a it's a matter of actually observing that this cultural assumption has this one, this cultural assumption sees this. So what do these look like in partnership? Right. And so just before we go, um, you were talking about probably about that last night. There was in the town hall at 7.30 um, a talk about the treaty and much more than just the treaty, but can you just outline what, what the message was there? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, very, very quickly, for probably for 20 years now in this country we've had... Uh, you know, organisations have gone from the name of their, you know, their company to a little Māori tagline underneath, and then, yeah. and then we have teaching on the principles of the treaty. So, you know, organisations, businesses, departments have workshops on the treaty and this sort of stuff. I think what's missing is the story of the treaty. So it's not so much just about the principles of of the treaty that you know you get dictated. You know, what's the principle that you've got in your organisation or whatever. But unless you're missing the story of where these things come from, what were the forces at work? What was the, you know, what was happening in the world? What was happening in New Zealand at the time? For example, in the 18, in the late 1830s, you've got a thousand sailing ships coming here to the Bay of Islands a, a year, with an average of 20 to 30 thousand, 20 to 30 sailors. So you've yeah. got 20 to 30 thousand people coming to the Bay of Islands every year. The forces of globalisation are here. And when they're here, they just want to party. They want to get drunk. They want to sleep with the exotic yeah, woman. So yeah. you've got all of these things in play yeah. about what forced the treaty. So what I'm trying to do is share with people the, the actual story that brought this thing about and what this un, what I think is a unique document is, is about these two worldviews coming together in partnership and coming together to create effective and creative solutions for some of the problems in the world. Every time I hear people talk about this, I can't help but thinking that there's a huge um, 
source of in source of stories like like you know our, our our television dramas and movies are dominated by World War Two, right? We just right. had the movie Dunkirk come out, but yeah. there's just a huge mine potential mine for stories of our own history in the land wars and the and this around the time yeah. of the treaty and that yeah. whole story there. And and of course your book is going to inform people, but it's it probably won't reach the kids who just watch movies and the, and the adults who just watch right. TV. Yeah. You know, and I'm and I'm waiting for someone to start producing that kind of drama. Yeah, me know? too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah. We've got amazing stories in this place. You mm. know, like, um, uh, do you know how to make films? films? I I don't. I right, don't. right. I was just checking. Well, I'm trying to encourage do, people yeah. to. <laughs> nah, no, nah, I don't know how to make films. I know how to make music, but not films. <laughs> you could probably write a script. <laughs> well, I got a good friend actually who, who helped me draft this. He he he. He makes movies and films anyway, so he's he's got a few stories up his sleeve. He's working on yeah, like the story yeah. of Pari, Pari Haka. It's got to be probably well, the, the number one. That's an incredible story, and I know the the people down there are negotiating the avenues on you know on 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 how to do that well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. All right, Jay. Thank you for coming in. And if people want to get hold of your book, Who Are You Come Home? How do they do that? Uh, the book's at Zinnia or the Raglan uh, Gift and Bookshop, or get off me. Yeah. Okay. Or, or the website, whoyoucomehome.co.nz. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for coming in, Jay. Sure, Aaron. All right, folks. We're going to have a quick break. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Go to whoyoucomehome.co.nz and you can purchase the book. And just so you know, if you go to the website, Click on the link to buy the book and punch in the code uh, Huia Launch Special. All one word, Huia Launch Special, and you'll be able to get the book for twenty bucks uh, before Christmas. So uh, some unashamed advertising. Grab it for your friends. Grab it for your family. It's a real cheap as Christmas present, and the book actually looks good too. <laughs> So uh, there you go. Look, we're going to close out today with a song that uh, my wife and I wrote with the help of Aaron Hardy and Kahurangi Heta. Um, we did it for a, a art exhibition that Charles and Janine Williams uh, done a couple of months ago called Who You Come Home. They asked if they could use the name for their for their art exhibition. These guys do uh, Charles and Janine do amazing work. Uh, painting all types of native bird murals around Aotearoa and around the Pacific. They've got this great project called Paint the Pacific Project. So go and check out uh, the work of Charles and Janine Williams. But here's the song called Here We Come Home. And uh, ka kite, uh, and we'll see you next week.
light of chorus dawn A king of the sky Queen of the trees Sing to me
home to me.